Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. It's awesome. Isn't God good? All the time. God is good, right? Amen. Well, it's exciting. You know, it's, uh, it's amazing how God works with us eh? and, and uh, you know, speaks to us sometimes the same thing. I know uh, Pastor uh, Chris and Allison were here last night. They were sharing at the Deeper Night, and I thought, have they been looking at my sermon notes? You know, like they were covering some of the material I was going to cover today. And then later, uh, earlier this week, we were having a staff meeting, and I was going to be about 10 minutes late getting to the staff meeting. So I asked Pastor Peter, would you just, you know, you know, share a scripture and pray with the staff and I'll be in in 10 minutes. So I came into the meeting after and he had shared a scripture and I said, I got a scripture I want to share. And out of all the thousands and thousands of scriptures, I picked the same scripture he just shared. Right. And so the staff were like, did you guys plan that? I said, no, we didn't plan that. But it's amazing how God can speak to his people uniformly at the same time, put a word in season. Do you know God does that? God does many times, and even I've noticed sometimes with ministerial meetings and we're talking as pastors and we're like, we're all in the same sermon series, you know, and we haven't talked about it, but God sometimes has times and seasons, and how many know he speaks to his people, right? And that's an, that's an encouraging and exciting thing. So God is good. Uh, we just, we've been in a series now called, um, let me just bring up my messages here, uh, is your bubble in trouble? We're talking about your social bubble, and the question is, is your bubble in trouble? We talked about the importance of relationship. God has never, ca- never called us or designed us to be people who would isolate ourselves. Even if you think you're an introvert, you need... Oh, wow, that's bright. You need, <laughs> even if you feel you're an introvert, how many know you do need social interaction with people? And to be social means that you're relating to someone. There's friendly companionship. You're devoted to someone. And so relationship's important. That's what it means to be social, to be devoted to a relationship with somebody. All right, And then we took the word bubble. The word bubble actually means a good or fortunate situation that isolates us from reality. So we're in a season right now where there's a, the reality is there's uncertainty about the future. There's uncertainty that some people are very fearful and others were just a little anxious. And it's just the world we're living in today. And how many know God wants us to be isolated from that reality in relationships? How many know relationships are important? The book of Malachi at the end... There's a word that comes and says that um, he said, the father said, I'm going to come and bring the spirit of Elijah upon the earth, right? To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the children to the fathers, right? So if, I, if that doesn't happen, if there's not healthy relationships, I will come and strike the earth with a curse. And so we understand that if relationships are breaking down, the family unit is breaking down, churches are not in relationship, husbands and wives aren't in healthy relationship, it brings a curse, Right, and so we want we want we know that God's heart is that we have healthy social bubbles in this season, okay? And that's what I wanted to talk about again today. Now, last week we talked about um, our our social our bubble with God, our relationship with God, and I talked about it for two weeks. And I said, there's three W's in which if we we practice these three W's, we're going to strengthen our relationship relationship with God. Does anyone remember what the first one is? You need to wait, right? And I'm just going to recap quickly. To wait doesn't mean you're waiting for God because he's always with you. He never leaves you or forsakes you, right? How many know he's always with us? But to wait on God means you're willing to, to value him enough to wait to hear his voice before you move. 
And it, there takes, there's times in our lives where we have to, and we should do this regularly, we have to isolate ourselves away from the busyness of our thoughts and everything that's going on in our, in our world and just say, Lord, this is my time with you, and let God speak to you. And we learn to wait on the Lord. And in waiting on the Lord, the second W, what is it? Do you guys know? Wash. So we're going to wash ourselves with the water of the word. So in the time of waiting, God will speak his word to us, and we begin to wash renew our mind with the water of the word and we begin to think differently we begin to renew the thoughts that are contrary to god's word and we wash ourselves with god's word and then the third w do you remember what it is worship and so we want to worship god so in that time of silence before the lord we're waiting on him he's speaking to us with his word and we begin to worship and so one of the homework assignments that i gave you guys the last couple of weeks and i've been practicing myself is to take every time every day to, even if it's five minutes, to just get silent before the Lord and wait for his voice. Speak to me, Lord. What's this day look like? And just begin to wait on the Lord. Take his word. Don't study it just to know more about him, but study it to let him wash you with his word. And then from there, we just worship the Lord. And it can take five minutes. But you'd be surprised at how many of us can get busy and not take the five minutes. How many here? What I'm saying. And so we need to do that. And that's what I covered in the last couple weeks. And today what I want to talk about um, is um, I want to talk about how, how to build your social bubble with people. How many know that we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, heart, mind, and soul, and then from there we love our neighbors as ourselves? And I think the key is as I've spent time with God, I began to like myself. Never mind love myself. Like myself. How many have, like, never really liked themselves? I mean, I remember a time in my life where I would, uh, you know, part of the reason I drank and I did drugs and I hung out with people, uh, I didn't like to be by myself. And I like to be the life of the party. I'd go and have fun and do stupid things and all this. I would, this is my pre-save days. And I would come home and I'd be, like, sitting by myself and I'd be, like, calling friends, you know, come and hang out. Because I didn't want to hang out with myself. I didn't like myself. When things got silent, I didn't like what I was hearing in my head. How, how many can relate to that? at some point in your life. But what happens is as we spend time with God, God reveals his love for us. He begins to reveal our purpose. He begins to lavish his love upon us, right? The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And you actually, the more time you spend with God, the more you like God, the more you like yourself. And I got to a place where I was telling friends now after I was saved, you know what, uh, they'd be calling me, you want to go to the movies, Travis? And I'm like, now I'm hanging out with someone. Oh, who are you hanging out with? I'm just, I've got something going on. And I would literally sit and pray, play my guitar, read the Bible, worship. And I loved it. I just wanted to be with God. There was a season in my life, it was just no people, just God. I don't know if anyone's ever experienced that. But there was a total flip over because as you spend time with God, you begin to love yourself. You begin to like yourself because he likes you. How many know God likes you? He doesn't just love you. He actually likes you. He made you the way you are. And as you spend time with God, you begin to like yourself, and then you have something to give to others. And so the same way I want to talk this morning, the same way we uh, build a bubble with God, right? And last week I also talked about when you build a bubble, what happens is the presence of God comes into your life. And everywhere you go, people have an atmosphere of God's presence because you cultivated that by wa waiting on God, worshiping, and, and washing with the word. And so the same way that you build a bubble with God, you're going to build it with people. So the first thing you got to do if you want to build a great social bubble with people, a great relationship, is you have to wait. Nothing changes, you see. 
You still have to wait. And, and so we need to learn to wait on people better. How many know we all have to learn to wait on people better? And, and what does this mean? It means that we need to learn to put others before ourselves. I love what Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 says, and we'll bring that up. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Okay, so here we're being told, Paul's saying, you need to, you need to, don't, don't be selfish, don't, don't try to impress others, but humble yourself and think of others first. That's what we're supposed to do as believers. Let's uh, move on here. Philippians, uh, uh, so, so basically what we're being asked to do is we're asking to, to respect people. And here's the thing, I've learned this, and uh, I'm sure many of you have learned this, that everybody... Every single person you come across has a story. Every person you come across has history of some sort. Every person you come across has a worldview that's birthed from a culture maybe they were raised in. Amen? And we have to come in with respect. And we got, we got to be uh, thinking of others not as lower than us, but then as better than us. And Paul gives us that example because he, he would approach sinners and he would say, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm the least of the apostles. Now, did that mean that he was insecure? No, he knew who he was. He was confident, but he wanted to make sure that people understood that he was not elevating himself above another person. He was saying, hey, listen, I'm working on my stuff too, right? And, and, and so, so we're being told here we have to learn to wait. We need to learn to put others before ourselves. Bible says, let everyone be slow to speak, quick to hear. What's the next one? Slow to speak, quick to hear, slow to anger. Well, why do we mess that up? Sometimes as Christians, we mess it up. We're quick to anger, we're quick to speak, and we don't listen, <laughs> right? But God wants us to be like Jesus and do that. And I want to talk about uh, Paul here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verse 17. To 22. Paul is dealing with the early church. Look what he says here. He says, Now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for a better, but for worse. Uh, for first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that you, there's division among you, and in part I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, that's a, an important word, factions, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, is it not to eat the Lord's Supper? For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of the others, and one is hungry and another person gets drunk. Uh, what, don't you have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you de despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? I do not praise you. So you can see he's a little frustrated with these believers, right? The word factions... And this is really important. The word factions, he says there's factions among you, is actually the word heresy. And the word heresy simply means there's dissension that's arising from diversity of opinions. It's, it's, it's a dissension arising from a diversity of opinions and aims. And so what was happening, Paul was saying, there's, there's, there's certain people in your church, you're breaking up into groups and you have different, uh, how did I say it here? Different uh, opinions different goals, you know, like, I, I think that this is what the Bible means, and I think this, this is what we believe, and we're a little different than this group, and we have our own goals over here. We're going to do this. And what happens is the, the church was getting divided into cliques. And, and what happened was the reason why it was being divided into cliques is because they were actually looking for approval. 
that they might be recognized. Oh, I have a gift on my life. I'm called of the Lord, and I'm going to just, you know, uh, and, and you just click with this certain group of people, and you have your own opinions, you have your own goals, you have your own aims. And then when you come, then when they were coming to the, to, to the house to have a meal and have communion, they were butting in line, you know, like, I'm more important. And they would eat the food, and the next guy coming in is going, like, there's nothing for me. And they were not thinking of others. They were thinking about their own calling, their, their own goals, their own opinions, and it causes division in the church, right? So the world strives for, for positional leadership. That's what the world strives for, positional leadership. But Jesus, by example, he traded in positional leadership for relational leadership. And, and that's what he wants us to do. Trade in all the positional leadership and just say, I'm here to be a servant. And in fact, we were told this in the scripture in Philippians 2, verse 5 to 11. It says here, Paul says, you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. And it doesn't say you should have. It says you must have. Look what he says. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took on a humble position of a slave, was born as a human being, and when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to a place of the highest honor and gave him the name above all names. Okay? And then when Jesus spoke to his 12 disciples in Matthew 20, verse 25, look what he says. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of this world lord over their people, and, and officials flaunt their authority over those that are under them. Okay, next verse. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. Okay? For even the son, and then it says here, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give him his life as a ransom for many. And so as Christians, we're not here to be served. Like we have to have the mind of Christ. I, we don't come to church to be served. We come to church to serve. We come to church to serve our God in worship and to serve one another in love. That's why. You know, and, and so many times we can get so caught up, well, I just, I just don't like, you know, that sermon. The, I don't like those messages, and I wish the music could be tweaked a little bit, and I don't like, I don't like the way, you know, the kids' ministry functions, and, you know, it, because it's just not convenient for me. Now, listen, it's not, this isn't for you. It's for you to come and serve God and to serve others. And, and we have to, we must have this mind. We have to have this attitude that we're here to serve because what happens when we become servant leaders, like God, Jesus is telling us, God himself will exalt you. God himself will give you a name in society. God himself will give you authority. Why? Because he, he, he lifts up the humble. He lifts up those who, who serve because that's the kind of God he is. Isn't that awesome? And this is why, and I'm just going to side note here, with, with natural government, that's why when God is recognized by governments, we, through a de democracy, call our leaders, listen to this, public servants, right? Any government that recognizes the su supremacy of God has a system in place where the leaders come, and, and our country was founded with Christian Judeo 
belief systems, the same with, with America. And so they recognize God's supremacy in the word of God and the leadership that Jesus taught that we're here to serve. So we have a constitution and in Canada, we have, uh, we have a charter of rights and all of that is based on biblical values. And, and right when we read the charter of rights, it begins with this. Whereas Canada is founded upon the principles, the principles that recognize the supremacy of God and the rule of law. And then right under there, it goes down to our guarantee of rights and freedoms and fundamental freedoms. And then it begins to list them, right? And I want to say this, in a government that recognizes God, we have public servants that come and serve the people. If you remove God from government, you remove servants, and your servants become your lords. Because what happens is that Jesus said, the, the governments of this, this world, they lord over people. That's why it's so important that we, we keep God in government. That's why we have to pray for our elected officials. That's why we need to vote when we vote. Vote for those who stand up for Judeo-Christian values. We have to recognize the supremacy and the principles of God. And if we don't, we take God out of government. We take servant leadership out of the country. That's just a little side note. That was free. Amen? In Ephesians chapter 4, I'm just laying a lot of scriptural foundation, verse 1 and 3. Paul says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For if you have been called by God, sometimes be humble and gentle. Is that what it says? No, we don't even have it up yet, but it, it actually says always. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1 and 3. Always be humble and gentle and patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Because of what? Your love. All right? Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. So I want you to repeat after me. Say, always be humble and gentle. Here's the second one. Repeat after me. Be patient with one another. Here's the third one. Make allowance for each other's faults. You know, so many times as Christians, we're quick to point out everybody's faults but instead of making allowance for them, right? We've got we to work on this. Next one. Make every effort to keep yourself united. And then the last one. Build yourself together with peace. So we have to put others before ourselves. We have to humble ourselves. And the best example I can give you guys to what it looks like to wait on people is really to give you the picture of a waiter. You know, when you go to a restaurant, how many of you have ever been to a restaurant where you come in and you sit down and the waiter makes you wait? Has anyone had that experience? I mean, I've gone into restaurants sometimes and you go in and there's one other person in the restaurant and you're sitting and you're like 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 30. They haven't even come to take your drink. You know, they just, and, and how frustrated you feel. We don't ever want people to feel like, like they have to wait on us. We need to wait on people. Amen? And so there's that feeling of frustration. How many have ever been had a bad experience with a waiter where they come and they, 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 they rush you. You're trying to order. Like, I'm going to have a, oh, you want a hamburger? Charlie, make a hamburger. Uh, yeah, I would like cheese and bacon. Well, you said you just wanted a hamburger. No, I want cheese and bacon on my hamburger. You know how many mean? They're trying to rush you and you feel rushed. You don't get to share what's on your heart or what you, what you, what you really want to eat, right? And, and you get rushed. We, we, we were coming back from camping and I, 
I had promised the kids, you know, we're going to stop at this nice restaurant and have a nice meal. It was a buffet restaurant. And we had been camping for a week, so uh, our flesh was craving like a really nice meal, right? So we, we come to this restaurant. We come in. There's like two people in line in front of us. And this this waitress like made us wait for like 20 minutes. And it was a buffet. So then finally we're seated. And it's like the buffet is going to be over in another 15 minutes. So, uh, but it's still within the time. So we order the buffet. And then we go up there and all the food is like almost gone. It's dry and crusty. The salads are soggy. So we're like, excuse me, ma'am, can you change this? No, manager said, you know, uh, just, we're not putting out any more food. And we had already, you know. And at that point, we're like, we're going to walk out of here. But we thought, let's, let's be Christ-like. And we'll sit down and we'll shut up and eat. And we did. But it was a lousy meal. And we were treated like, you know, you're not important enough. And that makes an impression on people, right? And so God wants us to be like a waiter. We come and we say to people, listen, I'm here to serve you today. I hope you enjoy the meal, and can I take your drinks? Would you like something to drink? And one person says, yes, I'll take some new wine, please. Awesome. Do you want some new wine? No, I want some living water. Okay, living water, new wine. Let me go get that. I'll be right back. You just enjoy yourselves. Look at the menu. Enjoy the menu, and we'll come back. We'll have a conversation. And you've got to show that you care. You don't, tell, you don't want new wine. No, no, no. You want living water. Just, you know what I mean? Let people... Learn to listen because everybody has an appetite for something, right? Learn to listen. Proverbs 18.15 says this, The heart of a prudent acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. We need to learn to listen. Because as we learn to listen, we can see what people wanting, what they need to order, what they need for their soul, and then we can do something for them, Right? You know, once we hear what people are longing for, then we can wash them with our words. And this is really, really key. You know, it's amazing because my wife and I, we went and did some marriage counseling a few years ago. And marriage counseling, I want to encourage, is for everybody. It doesn't mean you have a bad marriage. But how many know you need to tune up your car, right? So my wife and I said, we're going to go for a tune-up. You know, arguing about a few things. Let's go for a tune-up. So we went for a tune-up. Amazed me because we sit down. Some of you met uh, Bob Bramhill came and did a, a session here. And he listened to us for like the whole day. Tell me about your life. So, you know, my wife talks a lot, and then I talk a bit, and then she talks a lot, and then I talk a little bit more. And then he's like just listening. I'm like, I'm paying this guy, and he's not saying anything. But he listened, and at the end of the day, he goes, here's a solution. He gives me like one sentence. And we're like, what? Like, we never thought of that, right? It's like, because he listened and he saw, okay, this is what they really need by listening to the story. And then he very said, he said very little. We did all the talking. But he practiced the scripture because he was acquiring knowledge and understanding so that he could speak into the situation. And, you know, one of the struggles we have sometimes, people come to share their heart. And they're like, well, I'm going through a hard time. And this, hey, I got the answer. Jesus is the answer. Hallelujah. You got to read your Bible more. And it's like, no, shut up and listen. Listen. Acquire the knowledge because God's going to give you a key. But you need to learn to wait. You need to learn to listen. Amen? And then here we see here that um, when it comes to washing, we wash people with our words. Look at Proverbs 18, verse 4. I love this. Look what it says. 
Wise words are like deep waters. Wisdom flows from the wise like a bubbling brook. And, and we are wise because we have the Holy Spirit. So we don't have to work it out. We just need to be quiet and listen to God. And let those wise words begin to bubble up. Okay? And we see here in 1 Corinthians verse 14, 3. This is the, what's on the menu. We'll give you the menu right here. But one who prophesies, which is just speaking the word of the Lord over people, strengthens others, say strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. Okay? And so when, when we, when we uh, are speaking over people, we are, we are either encouraging them, they either need some courage, they, they, they need to be encouraged because they're discouraged, or they need to be strengthened because they're going through a tough time, or they need comfort because they're emotionally just in need of that. And, and the Bible says we are people, when we prophesy the word of the Lord to people, we're strengthening them, we're encouraging them, and we're comforting them. And sometimes people need some strengthening, and we're trying to comfort them. Sometimes people need to be encouraged, and we're trying to strengthen them, right? So we have to hear what's on the menu. What, what, what did they need for their soul? And then we can bring the word of the Lord, and we can encourage them, and we can strengthen them, and we can lift them up. Does this make sense? All right? And so once we do that, by listening and waiting on people, then we know what they need to order, and we can feed them that. And then the third thing we do is we welcome. And here's the thing. Uh, I, I, I changed the word from worship, because with God, we, we wait on God, and then we wash with the word, and then we worship. And I think worship is a strong word, even though we could use it in a, in, in a smaller sense, because when we stand before a judge, uh, we, we, we call him your worship, right? It just means I respect you. So we're going to take the word worship out, and we're going to say the word welcome, okay? So we need to welcome people. And when I say welcome people, that means you have to welcome them into your journey. And you share your story. You wait on them. Oh, you hear somebody's discouraged. I can hear they're really discouraged. So now I'm going to give you a story of my life when I was discouraged. And I was going through exactly what you were going through. Let me tell you about God's glory in my story so he can become your glory. And you begin to share your story. And you become personal with that person. All right? And I love 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. It says, we loved you so much. Paul said, we loved you so much that we shared not, with, not only with you God's good news, but our lives also. I know Pastor Peter has shared this verse. It means a lot to him too. Is that it's not enough just to share God's word with you. Say, this is what the Bible says, straighten out. I want to share my life with you. I want to take you on the journey. And this is when I was, I remember when I had the issue you're having, and this is how I got through it. And, and then they look at you and they say, wow, if God can do it for you, he can do it for me. Amen? And so we need to share our lives with people. We need to welcome people, right? So here's the question. Why do we need to wait, wash, and welcome others? And here's, here's the answer. If we don't Wait, wash, and welcome people. Um, you become a cistern instead of an aqueduct for the presence of God in your life. Because when we wait on the Lord and God speaks to us 
and we worship him, the presence of God comes around us, and then we're supposed to go and be servants and supposed to go and serve people the presence of God, serve people the word of God, encourage people, lift them up, wait on them, welcome them, share your story. That's what, the, that's what your presence with God is to bring you into the presence of people to change their world. That's our mission. And when you start, just you can even spend time worshiping and waiting on the Lord and spend 20 hours a day in the Lord's presence, and if you refuse to go and serve others, you'll dry up. If anyone knows, if you leave a cistern long enough with still water, it becomes, algae begins to grow. It, the life source of the water is changed. But God wants us to be an aqueduct. He wants to flow through us. And the more we wait on people, the more we wash them with the word and just say, I want to encourage you today. I know you're struggling. You might even have sin issues in your life. God loves you. He wants you to change. And I'm, I'm rooting for you. I'm in your corner. And you encourage your kids. And it doesn't matter. Whoever God puts in front of you, it could be someone at work. It can be someone on the streets. It could be someone, it can be a peer in school. Whoever it is, we want to make a decision today that we want to encourage them. We want to edify them. Amen? And so here's what the main thing I want to ask you guys to do as a homework assignment. And I think we should do that together. And we're going we're gonna to close this off with some worship. I think we're going to do one worship song because we're a bit ahead of time. We're going to worship the Lord. The main thing I want to do is what I'm doing this week, and I want to welcome you into this, this challenge, is choose someone every day. Every day, choose one person to wait on, to wash, and to welcome into your story. Wait on them, listen, speak into their life, encourage them, okay? And, um, well, pastor, what if they have issues? Well, listen, the only bridge that's strong enough to carry the way to truth is a relational bridge. And that's why Jesus, he worked with his, his disciples and he loved on them and he was in relationship with them. And then when he began to speak the truth, which was hard to hear, everybody left. And he looked at his disciples and said, are you going to leave as well? And they said, well, we have nowhere to go. <laughs> I mean, how encouraging that as a leader, right? <laughs> well, we'd leave too, but we've got nowhere to go, right? But G the truth sometimes is heavy. And unless you have a relationship with people, it's, they have a hard time accepting it. Does that make sense? And so, Father, we come to you today, and God, we thank you, Lord, that um, this isn't something we have to strive to do because we just have to yield to your Holy Spirit in us. That is just, just aching just edging to uh, welcome people and to, to, to strengthen them and to encourage them and speak life over them. Lord, teach us to wait on people and listen. In the same way we silent our mind from the thoughts of the day and the busyness of our thoughts when we, when we wait on you, can we just clear off our mind and give our attention to people's stories so you can show us if they need to be encouraged or comforted or strengthened. And then, Lord, let us speak the words of life that are going to take them to the mountaintops where they're going to know you and they're going to have a good testimony of you and they're going to, they're going to choose to serve you. Even family members, I, want to, I just feel strong to say this. You've got family members that aren't serving God. I, I promise you, when I was away from the Lord doing drugs, living promiscuously, doing whatever, when I was a, in my later teen years, I would come home to visit my parents and my, parent, my mom would be like, you're such a man of God. I'm so proud of you. And I'd be like in the inside going, you know what I'm doing. Why are you saying that? Because she was believing God and encouraging me because she 
saw what God had for me. Some of you need to speak this over your kids and family members aren't saved. Just say, tell them. I'm so proud of you. You're so awesome. God loves you. And encourage them. Lift them up. And you watch what God will do. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, for this service. And I thank you, Lord, that each and every one of us get to leave this week and look for someone to comfort. Look for someone to strengthen. Look for someone to edify. And we're excited because we get to do what you do. And when we do it, you're going to lift us up and you're going to exalt us. We want to be the servant. You know, it's funny because I think about Jesus. And he, he said to his disciples, he said, if you want any part of me, you got to let me wash your feet. And Peter was furious. He didn't want that to happen, right? Because, and many of you know, like back in those days, you wore open face leather sandals. They weren't Nikes or anything. They were just like flat bottom strap sandal. And you walked on those streets and they had emission problems back in those days. I mean, we had real carbon issues, right? Um, because the animals let, let the exhaust go. Let's just say that, right? And that got stuck in your toes and that got all over your feet and the dust and all that stuff. And they would come and, and the lowest servant in the home, the, 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 the one with the least seniority of the slaves would have to go, oh, I got to go clean poo out of the toes of people coming in the front door. And they'd have to kneel down there with their chisel and, you know, clean, you know, take the poo out from between the toes. And everyone's, ha, ha, look at the new guy. He's doing it, right? And nobody wanted to do that. And the God of the universe says, I'm going to clean, clean poo out of your feet because, and dust. I'm going to wash your feet. You know what? Today's day and age, we, we don't have to do that. And if you do, you're going to run into toe jam and other things that are nasty. That's why I don't like cleaning feet. But the comparison is this. You might not have to clean people's toes and feet, but you can clean their their minds and their hearts and their souls from the crap that the world has thrown at them, the, the crap that has been spoken over them as kids. People that said, you know, you're never going to amount to anything. You're no good for nothing and blah, 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 blah. And you come along and say, you know what? You're awesome. God has a plan for your life. I want to hang out with you, and I want you to learn from my life. I made mistakes, but let's be friends. And when we do that, it's like we're washing feet. It's the journey of life that collects dirt, and somebody's got to wash that off, and God has called us to do it. And when we do it, you watch what God will do in our lives. Amen. Thank you, Father. Amen. God is good. Did you guys receive anything from the Lord today? Awesome. So this week, we want to wait on people. We want to wash people with the Word, and we want to uh, welcome them into our story and make let... I'm actually going to, next Sunday, I'm just throwing this out here. I'm actually going to ask for some testimonies at the pulpit. Because I know as you start to do this, there's going to be testimonies. Amen? And so remember that as you go, go about your week. Be blessed this week, God. God bless you guys. And Amen. Can we finish with the tune? Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning. 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.